It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Whitney Lordson. Recording this episode on October 8th, 2022, and I was supposed to be en route to Martha's Vineyard, but this is going to be the story of how that trip didn't happen and what I'm learning from that. So if you didn't know, Martha's Vineyard is a island off the coast of Massachusetts, and I have friends whose family has a house out there that I've been wanting to go visit for years, hypothetically. But it's proven to be a challenge because since it's an island, you have to take a ferry there and there's a lot of coordination. So this year, we finally made a plan, my friend and I, to go out there and it turned out to be complicated. So I learned a lot of lessons from that experience that I want to share today. Through my exploration of neurodivergence, I have been learning a lot about my brain and other people's brains too. Also through therapy, I've been learning a lot about myself and different tools. And I used the situation with travel as an opportunity to put into practice some things I learned from my therapist. So I'll take you through that process and use this as a time to process out loud. Maybe this will be helpful to you too, because I struggle a lot when it comes to making decisions. And I wonder how much of that could be related to the strong chance that I have a neurodiverse brain. And the reason I put it that way is I still feel uncomfortable, like really publicly saying I'm neurodivergent. I find myself saying that sometimes confidently and other times feeling unsure about using that word, which is a word that I use because I believe that I have either ADHD and or autism. and. It could be something else, but the more that I learn about those two ways of a brain working, the more I identify. (laughs) And actually, yesterday, read for the second time this quote that if you think that you have ADHD or autism, if that's all you're focused on, you're thinking about it all the time, you're researching it, you probably have it because the fact that you're doing all of those things is a trait, I think, mostly of autism. So... It's tricky. I've talked a lot about this, but in the context of this conversation, it's worth mentioning again that I've heard a lot about self-diagnosis being a really valid thing, especially for autism. And it's incredibly common for women to realize that they have ADHD and or autism together. It's very common for the two to be together and for women to realize it later in their life around this time of age that I'm in. And that gives me some comfort. And I also feel so seen by my therapist who's going to be a part of this dialogue today. He shared with me that he has ADHD himself, and he's really held space for me to start exploring this. We haven't fully gotten into it with our therapy. It's been an interesting process because I think I've had five or six sessions with him. And I believe we do 12 total as part of the program through my insurance. I had an episode where I talked more about my therapy process a few weeks or so ago, which I'll link to in the show notes, along with any other episode that relates to this one. So if you haven't been to the show notes yet for this show, it's at wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. And My therapist, I got assigned randomly through my insurance, which is covering this therapy program for me. I feel really grateful. I want to acknowledge that therapy can feel hard to access for a lot of people. Either just figuring out how to find a therapist can be challenging. It took me a while to spend the time to go through the process. I found it confusing with my insurance, even though my insurance covers the therapy program that I'm in. And I was nervous about who I was going to be assigned. I really lucked out. 
I've heard so many stories of people not aligning with therapists. I've had therapists in the past that I didn't really enjoy or find effective for me in my brain. And it's just a true blessing. And I'm also working on finding more resources so other people can get therapy or provide the option to do well-being coaching, which is something that I will be offering more forwardly later on. If you haven't listened to my episode about the training program that I'm in and what I'm learning about coaching and well-being, I will link to that as well because I'm finding a huge passion based on my personal experiences and seeing how much of an impact it's making to work with somebody who I feel seen by. I feel like my therapist hears me and holds space for me. I feel so safe with him that every time I have a session, which is once a week, I can't help but cry. It's so interesting. After my most recent session a few days ago, I was reflecting on why I get so choked up. I mean, within minutes of getting onto our video call, I feel like all the tears and the tension of crying come up for me. And I feel a need to hold back. Like I'm trying to figure out if I should try to get myself to cry before the session just to release all of that emotion. But I don't even realize that I'm going to cry until I have the session with him. It's an interesting thing. And I wonder if it's because I feel so safe. I wonder if it's because I feel understood by him. And if that's indicating that I don't feel safe and understood by most people in my life. He doesn't even say anything that really triggers those tears. It, it's just him. It's his presence. And it's a positive thing. And yet I'm so focused on doing things in the session that I find it hard. It's even hard to describe. Like in our last session, my voice changed because I was like choked up. And it's totally safe for me to cry, but I don't really want to cry. I feel a bit uncomfortable crying. It's just teaching me so much about myself, but also giving me an emotional relief, relief and release that I didn't even realize that I needed. In this recent therapy session, my therapist was sharing the importance of understanding my strengths and values. We did this exercise across a few different sessions. It's been a bit broken up because he's got a really lovely style of having a bit of an agenda and a structure that he wants to get through in the course of our 12 sessions together. But he'll put that on pause to focus on whatever I need in the present moment. And as a result, this practice of identifying my strengths and values has taken us a few sessions to get through. He had me spend time reflecting on my strengths and values. And at first I found that challenging and I wasn't even sure what the point of it was, but that really ties into this experience trying to go to Martha's Vineyard. I at first had trouble getting clarity on my strengths and I went back and had looked at some notes I've written in the past. Part of how my brain works is I have trouble not remembering things, but memorizing things. And I've always known this about myself. So I use tools like digital note-taking and organizing to be able to recall things, kind of like flashcards or something, right? Like if I look at something often enough, I'll remember it. But if I don't look at it often enough, I need a reference to go back to and it needs to be accessible. And fortunately, I had focused a bit on my strengths in the past, mostly around like my career, like how do I pitch myself to clients or new work opportunities. But it was an interesting opportunity to go through with the therapist. And part of my practice was to pull up a list of strengths to get all the options and then figure out which I really aligned with. And I ended up coming up with quite a long list, which was empowering, but through the process of the therapy, I recognized that there were nuances to strengths. A short pause to acknowledge one of the episode's sponsors today, which reminds me of how helpful it can be to simplify self-care. As we've talked about in this conversation, health can feel overwhelming. And sometimes you just need to focus on one small habit, one small priority 
For me, that's often probiotics. And that's one of the many reasons I love Athletic Greens AG1 powder. It's all in one with whole food based ingredients. And best of all, it's affordable. It costs you less than $3 a day, which is cheaper than most people's coffee for the day. It's cheaper than getting all the different supplements. And it certainly makes it very simple. You're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance. To make it even easier for you, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of their immune-supporting vitamin D that I love and five free travel packs of AG1 with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash wellevator. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R. I put that link in the description and the show notes of this episode so you can take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Now back to the episode. I came up with a list of, I think, over 20 things, and then I started organizing them together. And and (laughs) the funniest thing about that is that my number one strength on my list is being organized. A lot of people say this about me, but I hesitate to make that one of my top strengths because I feel like that's a coping mechanism. I feel like I'm doing that because I've struggled with things and I want to be organized just to get by. So it's hard for me to say that's a strength. I know that other people admire that because people tell me that all the time. They feel impressed by it. People point out that they think it's unique and helpful, but it kind of stresses me out, to be honest. Like, (laughs) And ironically, I use organization to decrease my stress, but organizing feels stressful. It's really interesting. Anyways, So I wrote out this whole list and then through my therapy sessions, identified my top five. And if you're curious, I have technology, which I knew was my top because just saying that right now, saying that in my sessions with my therapy lights me up. I feel so proud and grateful that technology is a strength of mine. My whole life it's been, I mean, I have always been someone that can fix technology. I understand it. Like, It just feels good to use. I get excited about it. The second one is curiosity. And that's something people point out about me all the time. I haven't always identified it as a strength, but over the years, I've leaned into it more and I embraced it and started to feel proud of it. And I was grateful to see that on lists. Actually, curiosity not just comes up as a strength, but it also came up in the values lists I looked at. So it's in both. I have curiosity as a strength and a value. And that's a core to me. Number three in my strengths is problem solving. Although I feel a little iffy. I I know that is a strength. Again, something else people point out about me. I noticed it as being on the unique side and helpful, but I also wonder how much of a coping mechanism that is. And it shows up even in things like people pleasing. So I'm still reflecting on that one. Thoughtful is another strength of mine and enthusiastic. And those are things that Again, I hear from other people, I have noted as helpful in situations and I feel good about them. There's a variety of others that I have on here that I'm still toying around with. And I encourage you to consider your own strengths, to write them out and you can look at lists like I have. It's really helpful in a lot of contexts. The value side is what ties into the situation going to Martha's Vineyard. And my values list was a little bit shorter. I think it was probably between 10 and 15 values I came up and a number of them were similar to each other. Number one of my values is authenticity. And that one is so top of mind for me. Even though the word authenticity, I think has been used as a buzzword, as a trendy thing. It's used a lot in marketing now. It's kind of lost its authenticity, ironically, but it's the easiest way for me to describe something that's really important to me. And it has been my whole life. I just wasn't clear about that until recently. Secondly, is curiosity, as I mentioned, third on my values is justice. And my therapist told me that justice is actually the fact that that is a top value for me is in itself an indicator of neurodivergence. And I had an interesting experience on TikTok the other day because I, I 
end up seeing a lot of content about neurodivergence on TikTok these days and a, a lot of women talking about what it means for them to have ADHD and or autism. And this one woman said in her video that justice among some other elements of her was an indicator that she was neurodivergent. And I commented, oh yeah, you know, my therapist just said the same thing. And this other woman in the comments section of TikTok said, well, are you saying that neurotypical people don't care about justice? That makes me uncomfortable. And it actually turned into this whole back and forth where I was like, no, that's not what I was saying. And this other person jumped in and like all of a sudden there was like all this tension around justice. And it was just really interesting. We worked it all out, <laughs> these strangers and I discussing this and clarifying it. But I thought that's a little interesting side note because this is something that I'm still trying to figure out too. Like the nuances to neurodivergence are fascinating. How do you know? Or do you just have these traits that lean you towards that direction? Does everybody have these traits? It's tricky. And that leans me towards wanting to get formally diagnosed and something my therapist and I are going to discuss in a session, which I will fill you in on once I learn more about the pros and cons of a formal medical evaluation and diagnosis. The fourth value of mine is acceptance. And that's kind of interesting to say out loud. What I mean by acceptance is mostly around like not being judgmental of people, like accepting others, accepting myself. And it's something I really strive for. I'm not great at it. I certainly have judgments. But whenever I catch myself or others being judgmental, it stands out and I find myself yearning for acceptance. So that's why I identify that as a value. And fifth is caring. So the context in which these values have played a role in my situation with Martha's Vineyard make more sense when I describe it. So my good friend for years been inviting me to go to Martha's Vineyard every time I come out here to visit Massachusetts. My good friend lives a little bit farther away from our parents and she has children and her family has the house out there. So there's a lot of like barriers to going, right? Their time to get there, the coordination about schedules. And for me, I haven't been to Martha's Vineyard in a long time. It feels very familiar because I grew up going there off and on. Massachusetts, it's a common place to go on vacations. You can take a ferry there for like $10. I don't remember if the island itself is super expensive because I think most of my experiences out there, I was either with my family or I actually have been there with families. I was nannying when I, when I used to, or babysitting. I used to do a lot of that growing up or it would be friends and all the expenses would be taken care of or I'd barely have to pay for anything. So this would be my first time going as like an adult where the money was a consideration. And I always think about money whenever I do something. So there's driving somewhere, there's parking. I was thinking I was going to drive my car on the ferry like I did when I was up in Washington and, and Vancouver. Earlier in my trip, I took a few ferries. I drove my car on. It wasn't a big deal. But when I looked on the website for Martha's Vineyard Ferries, it turned out it, it's quite expensive to drive a car to the island. I think it was like minimum $75 one way. It might have been like a hundred or a hundred fifty dollars. It was like some crazy number, which actually I paid around the same amount of money when I was in the Vancouver ferries. And so to look at that as a contrast is kind of interesting because I remember like I went to Vancouver Island to see a friend for 24 hours. And contrasting that to this Martha's Vineyard experience has been really interesting because Somehow I was able to do that Vancouver trip very fluidly. I remember seeing the prices for that ferry and being like, ooh, that's expensive. But I had already committed to going and technically I'd committed to going to Martha's Vineyard too when I was looking at those prices, but it just hit me differently. And that that's something that's really interesting. Like when you're, you're trying to make decisions on things how two things can be similar, but you can have a vastly different experience. Things can come up for you differently. I think this is why my therapist had me do this values exercise. So there's the financial side of getting somewhere and crossing over water is like a whole nother scenario. 
figuring out my car. Like at first I wanted to take my car to Martha's Vineyard before I realized how expensive and, and actually wasn't even possible because you have to book so far in advance to take a car over there. But I started to get concerned because my plan was to leave my parents' place, go to Martha's Vineyard, then start making my way south in the United States to head back west to Los Angeles, like because it's the tail end of my trip out here. And Martha's Vineyard is is south of my parents. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to keep going south, which means I have to pack up everything for my parents, say goodbye to them, load up my car, bring my dog. It's like a whole ordeal. And that's where things started to get tough. First, I had to decide, did I feel comfortable leaving my car in a parking lot, taking a ferry for a few days, or taking a ferry to go to an island for a few days, come back, would my car be safe? And a friend had to assure me, yeah, it's actually very safe there because these islands have a lot of wealthy people and the parking lots are full of high-end cars and they're monitored. So all those variables seemed unlikely that someone's going to break into my car and steal all my campaign stuff, but still a consideration. And then I started talking to my friend that I'm supposed to go to Martha's Vineyard with and said, hey, these are the dates. I'm, there are times I'm looking at for the ferry. Does this work for you? And also, is there anything I should know in terms of what we're going to do plan wise? Because I wanted to like pack the right clothes and also not overpack. And I'm someone that needs these details, something that I've really learned for myself. It makes me feel more comfortable and confident when I have every detail outlined. This is like going back to that the fact that I'm very organized and detail oriented kind of feels like a strength, kind of feels like a, like a coping mechanism, like or maybe a neurodivergent thing. Like I need a lot of accommodations in order to feel emotionally safe, confident, secure, whatever. And that's a huge part of this story because when I started thinking through step by step, this is also how my brain works. I'm not. A get up and just go and figure it out person. Never have been, especially when it comes to travel. And I'll go on a little tangent here to share. It's bringing up memories of when I was in college. I studied abroad in the Netherlands and as students had opportunities to travel throughout Europe. And I remember every time I traveled being this exact way as I'm describing, I would outline every detail and nobody else I traveled with was like that. Some of them enjoyed that about me. They're like, great, you're going to figure out when the train leaves. You're going to figure out what hotel or hostel we're staying at. Like you're going to budget this out for us. Awesome. Some people would feel kind of annoyed. They're like, can we just go and wing it the whole time? And back then I had no identification as being neurodivergent. <laughs> so I just could feel my preference for all of these details when it comes to planning, but also the fact that I was different. Also the fact that I was surrounded by people that didn't think like me, didn't seem to have the same needs and didn't seem to care. And that has led in my life as a whole ripple effect to a frustration, to feeling out of sync with others and experiencing tension socially, which has been really difficult for me. In hindsight, I think I've coped with it enough that I didn't even realize how difficult it was until recently. So the situation has been super interesting to notice. And the contrast between this trip to Martha's Vineyard through these expenses, through a trip across the country, like is very interesting with that Vancouver, like because I'd never been to Vancouver, Vancouver Island. It was, felt very unfamiliar for me. But the big difference is I think actually the person I was visiting on Vancouver Island could be neurodivergent as well, or at least as somebody who communicates and answers questions in a way that made me feel secure versus this friend that I was supposed to go to Martha's Vineyard with, a super close friend that I've known for much longer, almost my entire life. But the communication challenges were present. So I didn't have the security that I did for Vancouver Island. Vancouver Island, it just felt 
easier. It was still an obstacle and it was still expensive and it was time consuming. And another element was I was barely there. So when I look back about how much it cost for me to take these ferries, I'm sure it was close to $200, I think. Maybe 150 right? Just to go to Vancouver Island for 24 hours. But I remember doing the math and th- saying, it's worth it. Like, I want to go there. I'm curious. But I also knew what I was in for. Like, I knew that I would get there and like what the meals would be. I knew that I would get there and where I'd be sleeping. I knew that my dog was welcome there and they were expecting my dog. I knew approximately what we were going to do and the timeline and when I was leaving. Like, that stuff turns out to be incredibly helpful for me, if not crucial. Whereas this Martha's Vineyard experience, I kept asking my friend, like, hey, what time are you going to get to Martha's Vineyard? Because I want to sync up with this friend. I had no idea when they were going to go. What time are you leaving Martha's Vineyard? Because I wanted to figure out when I would leave. I had no idea. It was basically communicated to me like, oh, just get there whenever you want and leave whenever you want, which maybe to some people sounds awesome. But my brain doesn't work that way. I want to know <laughs> what time. It's so important to me. It's not that I can't operate more loosely. It's that it's deeply uncomfortable to me. So this is where it all starts to fall apart, mostly because a huge, something got thrown in the way, an obstacle appeared that none of us were expecting, which is that about less than 24 hours before I I was supposed to go to Martha's Vineyard, I was clarifying with my friend about like what I should bring and what I shouldn't bring. I didn't want to like lug a whole ton of luggage over there for just a few days as part of how I need to know, like, when am I getting there? (laughs) What am I eating? Like, do I need to bring food? Like all this stuff I think about for packing. And also, what am I leaving behind in my car? What needs to be secured in my car? Like all this stuff feels important for me. And as I'm going through this conversation, I mention Evie, my dog. And suddenly my friend says, oh, actually, there's a no dog policy at the house. And it was so interesting to get that information because I realized, whoa, I thought my friend knew that I was bringing my dog. I don't even know why I thought that. I mean, maybe it's just because my dog usually comes with me places. It felt like a given, but that was a total assumption on my end. And it never occurred to me that she wouldn't be allowed at this house. In hindsight, I'm like, oh, that makes sense. A, I should have clarified this and and actually just should have asked, but this is a super close friend. I never occurred to me that this would be an issue. It's an interesting thing when in hindsight, you're like, wow, why didn't my brain work in that way? And sometimes our brains just don't. Sometimes we just don't think of things. Even someone like me who's super organized and detail oriented still didn't occur to me. And my friend didn't think to ask clarify. My friend certainly didn't assume I was bringing my dog. So it was a huge, just missed opportunity. It wasn't even a miscommunication. So in that moment, I got a wrench thrown my way, I guess is the term, which is like, what do I do with my dog? Do I stay home and not go? Do I leave my dog with my parents and then come back and get her? The latter seemed like it could work, but I already shared to get from my parents' house to my friend's house and Martha's Vineyard is about a four-hour excursion. It's about two hours to drive to the ferry. Then you have to park and take a shuttle and wait for the ferry, get on the ferry, ride the ferry, land on the island, then get to the house, right? So all those steps, not super complicated, not something I've never done before. But my brain, when I have all those steps, it gets so overwhelmed. I was completely prepared to do that. But what I wasn't prepared to do was the opposite side of getting to the ferry again, coming back across, getting my car, driving all the way back to my parents' place, packing up my car again, because I probably would have left stuff here, then had to go the same direction towards the island to my next destination. I mean, it was just like something I wasn't expecting. And that's really where the challenge became. I'll pause here to summarize why I'm so thrilled to have Zencaster as a sponsor of this show. 
whether you're a listener who may feel interested in how podcasters make things happen, or perhaps you're a podcaster yourself, you're working on a podcast, you want to improve a current podcast, you're thinking about starting a podcast, I highly recommend Zencaster. One of the many things I like about them is that as an all-in-one web-based solution, they make it so easy to do post-production. And that's the process in which you're mixing your tracks, you're combining audio and video, perhaps you're uh, normalizing loudness, which may not make sense if you haven't done this before, but it really just makes your podcast sound good. Maybe you want to reduce some hum, other enhancements to your show, make it sound like it was recorded in a studio. You can do all of that in Zencaster. And I find this super fascinating. You know, I remember before I started this show, I was like, how do podcasters do things? This is so overwhelming. And when I found Zencaster, it was a huge relief because prior to that, I was doing it in this very manual piece of software and I was confused. I didn't know how all of the bells and whistles worked. Zencaster just makes everything so simple. There's a ton of tools there, but it's really easy. And this is great for someone who wants to do it all themselves. So maybe I've planted a seed in your head and you're thinking about using Zencaster or perhaps recommending it to someone else, even if you're not a podcaster yourself. I want you to have the same easy experience. So go to Zencaster.com to check it all out. They have a free version if you want to use some of the paid features, you can get 30% off your first three months of that. Go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and enter the promo code WELLEVATOR, W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R. I've linked to this in the show notes for this episode, as well as in the description to make it super easy for you to share your story like I do. That's where I thought this is where I get stuck. This is where my brain struggles the most is unexpected changes because my brain processes and visualizes and plans so far in advance that if something shifts in that plan that feels significant or complicated, my brain just stalls. And when my brain stalls like that, I feel like a sense of panic because that coping mechanism to make decisions, to organize something new. It's like my brain starts to work really hard and panic a little bit. I feel pressure and I just feel overwhelmed. And especially having to make a time-sensitive decision, sometimes that works to my advantage. In fact, a lot of times it does. Having a deadline to make a decision is sometimes the only way that I can make a decision. <laughs> but when I'm presented with too many options, too many variables in a short period of time, and I feel the pressure to make that decision for other people, I almost can't figure out what's best for me. In fact, that might just be overarching experience here is I was trying to figure out what was best for me in this situation. What did I really want? And the idea of Martha's Vineyard sounds appealing, but getting there and having so many unknowns completely overshadowed. And I kept thinking, all right, I've done this before, not just Martha's Vineyard, but in general, like I did Vancouver Island. There's still unknowns there, even though my friend did an excellent job giving me all the details about the Vancouver Island experience. So nothing was unexpected there. Like it all went according to plan. Whereas Martha's Vineyard had like this looming unknown. I didn't know when my friend was going to get there and leave. So I didn't know when I was going to get there and leave. I didn't know what we were going to eat or when. These are important things for me. I didn't know where I was going to be sleeping. Like would I have my own room? It was just like all this unknowns, unknowns, unknowns. And I toyed around with this idea of like, what if I could just embrace that? What if I just go and experience it? But then like this, and in this moment, still really strong here, is something comes up for me that says, what's the priority here? And this is where the values come into play. Certainly I'm capable of embracing the unknowns and the discomfort, but do I really want to? Is that important for me? And the authenticity, right? What's authentic to me, I suppose, in this situation? 
because it's not clear to me what's authentic for other people. That's a big key. So authenticity being a huge value, what would be helpful in those moments is if someone was very straightforward, this is what matters to me. What was actually being conveyed to me was my friend kept saying things like, I'm flexible. And I don't know if that friend was saying I'm flexible for me, or was that friend saying that she's flexible for her, unattached? That's incredibly hard for my brain. I need clarity. (laughs) I need authenticity means like clarity too. Like what is important? What matters here? What's real? And when somebody's not transparent, when they're, when somebody's too up for anything, like neutral, I really struggle. And it was an opportunity then to say, okay, what do I need? And what I need, I think has been very clear. I need a plan. I need details. I need, it's even hard to put it. And even the word need is tricky to use, right? Like, because it's hard for me. Like, do I, I don't need it to survive, right? It's just that I prefer it. So ultimately, because I wasn't given a strong plan, I will opt for my preference to have a plan and staying at my parents' house with my dog had the security. It was a sure thing. My parents were happy for me to stay here longer. In fact, I'm sure they preferred that too. So the authenticity and value in that moment became this staying at my parents is more authentic to going somewhere with tons of unknowns because I don't like unknowns and unknowns don't feel authentic to me. Even though like unknowns are authentic to life, that's part of the human experience, right? Like life is unknown. Nothing's ever a sure thing. That is true and authentic. But when you're comparing two options, if the preference is for the known, then that's authentic to my needs, I suppose. It's so nuanced, right? And this is part of this exercise I'm trying to do, if I'm not being clear about that, practicing why did my therapist want me to outline my values? What I believe the reason is to help me process these tough emotional things. So curiosity, that's an interesting thing one here. I suppose I'm curious about going to Martha's Vineyard. That sounds really attractive. I haven't been there in a long time. I'm curious what my friend's family's house is like out there. I'm curious what the experience is like taking the ferry after all these years. I mean, I probably haven't been out there in 10 plus years, maybe longer, maybe 15 or 20. Like it's been a very long time. And so my curiosity pulls me towards that stuff. And I don't know if my curiosity was pulling me here. So I don't know how that value really falls in line here. Three is justice. And justice in a situation like this I think is more like fairness, even though they're not exactly the same thing. Equality, ethics, all of those kind of, I lump into a similar category or the same category, I suppose. Justice, like that was challenging because my friend had been making plans with her family. My friend had her, her kids were packing their bags to go. I don't even know if my friend's still going to Martha's Vineyard without me. That hasn't even been clear or authentic to me. So For me, I'm someone that generally keeps two plans out of courtesy for other people. And for myself, I feel more comfortable sticking to a plan that feels in alignment with fairness. Like, okay, we decided on something. It feels fair. But I think with the variable with my dog, how does justice come into play with that? I mean, I guess justice is I'm justified in feeling insecure and unsafe and uncomfortable and the plan did change. So I was willing to stick with the original plan, but when something got thrown into this situation, there was no longer a plan. So I guess justice comes into play. Well, I'm justified in choosing a new plan that feels more authentic to me. (laughs) I might try to talk through this with him because I'm like, am I thinking about this in in a way that best serves me. I'm not sure. Maybe you can share that with me too. I'm curious about your thoughts on this. But here's the thing. You could share your thoughts with me, but that doesn't mean that your thoughts are authentic to me. That That's something I'm really working through right now is that I tend to default to what other people think, what other people want, what serves them well. Maybe that's part of the justice side or the caring side. That's a huge value of mine. As I mentioned, I care about what other people think. I care about what works for them. So if you were to share your opinion with me, I would care about your opinion, but that might not necessarily be authentic to my preferences and my needs. 
And that's where I'm learning to prioritize that. This is part of what I'm processing in therapy. And it's really tricky for me. And these situations give me an opportunity to think through them and reflect. Like this morning when I woke up, I was hoping that I would have clarity. I wanted it yesterday because ideally I would wake up this morning and have a plan. Like that would have felt good to go to bed with a decision, with a plan. It was frustrating that my friend kept saying, it's up to you, it's up to you. Like drives me nuts because that puts pressure on me to decide and weigh out these variables. I really like making decisions together. This is part of justice. I prefer a consensus. And this particular friend, I haven't been able to figure that. My friend's like a little too flexible for my comfort and preferences. I appreciate it. But when it comes to making decisions, it's of no use to me when someone's super flexible. I much prefer it when someone says, this is what I want. That's like that authenticity. What do you want? That's the big question. What do you want? And I think a lot of us just don't know. And maybe that's because we're out of alignment with our values. Maybe that's what my therapist would say here. Or maybe our values are so dependent on other people that they become convoluted. And I don't blame my friend. Like I'm actually as so neutral towards my friend in this situation, not upset. It's just frustrating because we had a plan and now the plan's not happening. Like that frustrates me, but that's not anyone's fault per se. It was just how it happened in the communication and that's fine. And it's okay to be frustrated too. So going back to the last two of my values of acceptance, like that's huge. And actually just what I indicated, I'm accepting that I'm no longer going to Martha's Vineyard. As of the time of this recording, there's actually still a possibility. It's the morning right now. I could still go. The ferries run until the evening. Like I could change my mind right now and decide to go. And there's part of me that still wants to. There's part of me that still has that hope. That part of me drives me nuts. I'm wondering, can I ever shift that or will that always be there? And that actually goes back to what I was saying about wanting to make a decision last night. Because for me, my organized brain, like my preference for plans, like if I could have made a decision last night and woke up this morning and just gone. But today I woke up and I still had to make the decision. I still had to tune into myself. I remember waking up and looking out the window that's next to the bed in my childhood room, my parents' house. And it's beautiful right now. The leaves are starting to turn colors. I'm looking out at this beautiful tree with green and orange and red and yellow colors. And it's beautiful, clear day. Thought, wow, that's so peaceful and calming. I've really been enjoying looking at these trees on just the last few days, taking them in as they've been changing. And I thought, maybe I'll have clarity right now in this peaceful moment. Like I haven't had any input. I just opened my eyes. The answer should be here. And it wasn't. And that's so frustrating too. It's like, why doesn't my brain work that way? Why isn't it easy? Maybe it's not easy because I'm out of alignment. I don't know. Or maybe it'll never be easy for me to, maybe this will always be the way it is. I don't know. Does anyone ever feel like this stuff is easy? Is this easy for you? That's what I would love to know. You don't have to share your opinions on what I should or shouldn't have done, but I'd love to know, do you struggle with this stuff too? Does this stuff feel easy? Could you have woken up that morning or made a decision before you went to bed? I could have. I could have just said, I'm going to Martha's Vineyard and it's okay that I have to drive all the way back to get my dog. Like that was on the table. Maybe the fact that I couldn't make a decision was a decision in itself. That is something I wonder too is, I suppose it's kind of like when you don't know, not knowing, I think tends to be a no. Like the word no is in there. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it sounds counterintuitive because don't know, it sounds like it's the opposite of no and that should be a yes. But for me, almost every time I feel on the fence, that means I'm not going to do something or I don't want to do something. It's like if somebody says maybe to you, it's usually a no. And they say this about lots of things in life. If it's not a strong yes, it's a no. And I wish that that would feel authentic to me, but it doesn't. What authentic, feels authentic to me is really thinking things through. And that was part of the frustration too, is it takes me time to process. This came up in therapy, actually. And maybe this is one of the other big lessons for me is my brain works pretty slowly in a lot of situations. It works fast in some ways, like technology. 
It works fast in some forms of problem solving, but a lot of things in life take me quite a long period of time to decide. And when I feel pressure to make a decision, I don't always make a decision that feels authentic to myself. So it's not fully in alignment with my values and my strengths. My strength is thinking things through deeply, spending days on it. So that was part of the challenge too, of having 24 hours or less to make a decision. Maybe that should have been my no. It's interesting, right? Like I can't figure out how to make this trip work in such a short period of time. So my decision has to be that I'm not going to go. And ultimately that's how this all turned out is that in order for me to do the trip, I needed more time to process it. I needed more time to figure out what felt right for me and my dog and the rest of my trip. And since I didn't have that time, the answer had to be no. That's the best way I can summarize how I came to the conclusion. And something that I'm learning and is brand new with my therapy is it's okay if you take time to process. I've been told so much in my life to have to do things on other people's timelines. And that causes me a lot of stress and overwhelm because it doesn't allow me to authentically go through my problem solving, my curiosity, my thoughts, doesn't give me the opportunity to utilize technology to its depth, to accept the different situations. That doesn't feel like it's filled with justice if I'm being rushed as a person who because of my brain, like needs a lot of time and patience. Something else I've realized in therapy is I have short amount of bandwidth. And this is very common. Think for ADHD, the burnout side of things. It's very common for people to like have a burst of energy and then it's like a crash and needing to lay in bed and recover and soothe. Like for me, that looks like I work in pulses, but I never know when the energy is going to come for me. I don't know if I need more dopamine, serotonin or whatever, like some burst of something in me to be able to do the next thing. And if I'm not giving myself a lot of those pauses to lay down, I love to bring my weighted blanket. That was something I was concerned about going to Martha's Vineyard. Since it's 15 pounds, I'm like, I'm not going to lug that thing on a ferry. So I was going to go spend two nights at Martha's Vineyard without my weighted blanket. And I was bummed. And then to tell me I can't bring my dog who also is soothing for me. Like, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, this is again, why I think I'm one of the traits of autism is like needing to be soothed. A lot of comfort pressure is really important. So I had my backup. I used the hug sleep pod, which I'm going to be honest, just not cut it as a replacement for my weighted blanket. Like the weighted blanket, I'm going to go lay down under as soon as I'm done recording this episode. That's how I soothe myself. And the pressure of my dog on my chest or next to my body, it's so soothing. And without those things, I think my nervous system, I could feel like getting nervous and it was going to be dysregulated. I'm often dysregulated when I'm traveling in general. So even though I love traveling, I have accommodations for myself, which I talked a lot about when I traveled to Costa Rica, when I traveled to Singapore, I did episodes on each of those trips and talked about my accommodations. I realized all the things that I need, like I need sound accommodations when I sleep. I need light accommodations when I sleep, pressure. Like I need a lot. Sleep in itself is a whole variable. And that's probably why I get nervous about doing trips like this. If I don't know where I'm going to be sleeping and what pillow and blanket I'm going to have, I like all this stuff. This is hard for me. And this is why I think I bury a lot of this stuff. And maybe that stuff was under the surface too with this trip of like realizing I wasn't going to have all these comforts that make such a huge difference. And then I get nervous about not sleeping and the ripple effect. It's like my brain just starts panicking. And so no wonder this trip I've started to get so nervous and uncomfortable around because I just wasn't going to have my needs met. And I'm used to people in life overlooking my needs or putting off my needs saying like, oh, you don't actually need that. Maybe that's why I even say that. Do I need this or do I just want this? I lack that clarity there too. But the more I'm talking about it right now, it's okay for those to be needs. Like what if they are needs? (laughs) 
It's okay that I need a weighted blanket and a specific pillow and sound and the light blocked and my dog next to me. And I know that I'm going to get eight hours and I know that I am going to get the food, like all these things that I've been thinking about. It's okay that I need those things. And it's okay that other people don't. It's just that in this situation, I'm recognizing that I didn't know how much of my needs were going to happen. I didn't know how much I was going to have to accept about letting go certain needs. I didn't know if my needs were going to be even accepted, like the needs that I was able to have accommodations for on this short trip. I didn't even know if other people would accept them. Like the details I can go into, it feels like almost embarrassing. (laughs) I've talked about this too. I have sleep challenges. I'm still trying to figure that out. That's part of my therapy. I'm going to neurologists. Like I have so much to figure out with my sleep. And maybe that's a bigger role in all of this too. If I don't know what my sleep environment's going to be like on a trip, I get really uncomfortable. And I think back to plenty of times I've slept on couches. I've had screaming kids around. I was kind of anticipating that might be the case. And I didn't feel comfortable asking my friend all these details because I thought this friend was going to overlook them. I'm very used to people being like, why do you need to know all this? Like People get irritated with me asking a lot of questions. So I tend not to ask them. But then if I don't get answers, I feel super anxious. And then like all these variables coming. I mean, it's really been interesting to share this out loud on this episode because I'm like, wow, of course I didn't want to go versus like on the surface level, when you compare that to the Vancouver Island trip, I somehow knew that all my needs were going to be met and accepted. And they were like that Vancouver trip went off without a hitch. Is that the term? <laughs> like it was smooth sailing, literally took the ferries there, paid a lot of money for it stayed a very short period of time. You would think maybe that wasn't worth it, but it was so comforting and safe. And when I look back on that Vancouver trip, I think of nothing but joy and ease. And it was just so lovely. And no wonder I've been dreading the Martha's Vineyard trip because I just had the variables of not getting my needs met were so uncomfortable. And as an adult who's learning to acknowledge my needs and get my accommodations. I'm also learning that it's okay not to do things where my needs won't be met. I saw something about this on TikTok, which is a great source of information in a lot of ways. I wish I could pull it up quickly enough to address it right now, but it was something around, or maybe it was in the book. I just started listening to the audiobook Unmasking Autism, which I heard about through TikTok, and people are raving about this book. And I've only listened to like 10 or 15 minutes of it thus far. It perhaps was in that book. I don't know what source it was at this point. Somewhere recently, I saw how it's common for these type of needs, whether they're neurodivergent or from another element of life, like whatever reason somebody like myself has these needs, it's so common for people to not understand them and to push them aside. And sadly, I grew up with apparently a lot of my needs being pushed aside. And so I've spent so much of my life thinking I should be embarrassed of my needs and I need to put my needs aside for other people. And when I look at my values, that's not like that doesn't tie into justice, like fairness, equality. I think this is what my therapist was saying about justice is that my interpretation was that neurodivergent people tend to have a very strong desire for justice because they haven't felt like they've been treated fairly. They haven't felt, and they, including myself, I suppose, like going so much in my life feeling like people put their needs and desires over mine. And I became so used to that that I just let it go. And because I want fairness and equality, I'll say, well, in order to make this fair, I guess somehow I've um, equated like if I ask for my needs to be met, that's selfish. So I want justice. So I'm not going to be selfish. I'm going to let them get their way. But in a way, that's not justified either because that means they're getting their way and not me. How is that balanced? How is it equal or fair? It's really interesting to me. How big of a deal is it to ask 
hey, I need to know where I'm sleeping and how much sleep I'm going to get because sleep is really important to me and I already have trouble sleeping. And I need to make sure that my dietary needs are met. And I need to know, do I need to bring my own food so I can feel satisfied? Like all those things, I'm kind of laughing about it now. No wonder, like no wonder this trip felt so stressful. But until you give yourself the opportunity to examine why something feels off, sometimes this simple, basic stuff can just go unmet. And I'm getting to the point where I'd rather miss out on things. It happened in a small way. The other night, I had to make a smaller decision. There was a concert happening nearby my parents, like within 10 minutes from them at this really cool place in Massachusetts that I've always really enjoyed going to a historical area. And this musician that I loved in college, she was playing right down the street. And I saw that a few weeks ago and thought, oh my gosh, this is so cool. I have to go to this concert. And then I forgot about it. (laughs) A few days before the concert, I remembered and I looked it up and the tickets had sold out. But I thought, you know, it's only 10 minutes away. Maybe I'll just go down there and bet you they'll have a ticket available. But then it became complicated because I had my well-being coaching training at the same time of the concert. You'd think that in itself would be like, oh, I guess I can't go. But in my head, I'm thinking, well, I could skip class. I could catch up or I could go to part of class. And then that being one of the final nights I was supposed to be at my parents, I started also worrying that if I went to the concert, I wouldn't get as much time with my parents. Now, if I had known I wasn't going to end up going to Martha's Vineyard, maybe I would have gone to the concert. But I'm bringing that up because it was a really hard decision for me to make. I ultimately didn't go and I felt bummed. I actually think I was one of the days I had therapy. And I remember like after that therapy session, I was crying and I was listening to this musician, the music. And I was so like in that moment, I still was trying to decide if I was going to go to the concert because my therapy session was a few hours ahead of time. And I'm like, I'm going to use this values list. (laughs) But I was so emotional about missing out on it. And I thought to myself, you know what? I've seen this musician in concert. I can listen to this musician's music right now on my phone. And what's authentic to me is going to class, staying committed to that plan that feels like justice, that feels like a caring thing to do. And also really wanting to spend time with my parents. And that felt most authentic, even though I missed out on something else that I would have loved to do, even though I was curious about that situation. I ultimately accepted that what felt best, what was pulling me was to stay at home and go to class. That's tricky. But I guess the other huge element that I'm learning through talking through all this is I don't do well with the complexity and the variables and if something just doesn't feel easy, then maybe it's not authentic. Like easy and like the decision just comes and an authentic decision versus a forced decision. It's tough. When I learn more about this, I can share more because I feel like I still am gaining clarity in what this all means. And I still don't feel 100%. But my therapist also has reminded me that it's okay. And this has come up a lot. These are big themes for me. It's okay to make the wrong decision. And we will make the wrong decisions. We will make mistakes. It's not always going to play out perfectly, even if we know our values and our strengths, even if we tune into what's best for us, we still might feel like we did or made the wrong decision. And that acceptance is part of my process too. As I mentioned, I would love to hear your thoughts on this. I would love to hear from you, period. I always say that like connection with you is crucial because I care about you. That value applies to you too. I truly care. I am deeply grateful. I feel like it's fair and equitable (laughs) to hear from you too, to understand your feelings. And that's exactly why I made Beyond Measure, if you didn't know about it yet, that Beyond Measure came is a community I developed in 2020 out of the desire to have authentic, caring, accepting, curious, justified conversation. Like all my values are tied into beyond measure. 
And it also came out of experiences with meeting amazing people through my work on social media and YouTube that I really wanted to deeply connect with. And recognizing that social media did not feel like an authentic place. It didn't feel like a caring place. And I wanted to weed out all the noise of the non-caring, not accepting people that I would often come across on social media and YouTube. And so I developed Beyond Measure and it has become that place fully aligned with my values and other people's. It's just been absolutely lovely. And I bring that up now because that is the number one place I would love to connect with you and hear from you because it's done in real time. There's two elements to Beyond Measure. We have weekly calls. That's the main focus of it. Every week we have a time where we meet on Zoom and talk about a certain subject matter that's outlined. We talk about finances, for example, creativity, self-care. And we also have a monthly group accountability session where everybody goes off and works on something that they've been either procrastinating or haven't felt like they've had enough time to focus on. They need somebody to encourage them. And that could be basic things like household chores that you've been procrastinating or a project, something that feels hard to you, but knowing that there are other people holding space. There's a term I've seen a lot on TikTok recently for this body doubling, I guess, where usually you watch somebody else do an activity like chores that you've been dreading, but just by watching them, you kind of feel permission to do it yourself. And in a way, I guess our monthly session is kind of like that, but most people don't have their cameras or audio on. We just like silently go do our own things and then come back and check in with each other and share. And it's just been amazing. The people that are part of Beyond Measure right now, I have gotten to know on such a deep level. And that's what I want. That's authentic to me. So you're included in that. If you want to come join us, I haven't started charging for it. It's something that I want to add some sort of a financial fee or, ex- or some sort of an exchange element. It's not a priority because it's it's not something I'm going to use for like financial profit or gain. That's not my intention. I just have expenses involved, like paying for Zoom and the platform we use to communicate. There, Every month I'm charged for those things. And so I just want to have a little membership due that covers those costs. And also allows me to maybe have some money to invest in some other things. Anyways, it's been free for years and it's still free for now. Depending on when you listen, it's likely still free or very low cost. And I would love to have you part of it and get to know you and hear your thoughts and hold space for you. Like you hold space for me by listening to this podcast, truly. It's just doing an episode like this is so nourishing and helpful for me. And I want to give back as much as possible. That's part of the justice side of things for me. I hope that I'm using the word justice, right? I mean, I guess that's what justice means to me. Equality and fairness are, like I said, they all kind of feel similar. If Beyond Measure is not for you, that's okay. Email and direct messages on social media are also wonderful places to connect. A lot of people like to reach out to me on Instagram specifically, where you can reach me at either the Wellevator account for this podcast, W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R, or my personal account, Wit Lauritsen, W-H-I-T-L-A-U-R-I-T-S-E-N both of them on Instagram. I only go on those platforms to read messages these days. Every once in a while, I post something. But 99% of the time I spend on Instagram is just communicating with people like you. And email is fantastic too. So that my email address is in the show notes and on the website at wellevator.com. It's easy for you to find and connect with me. And if you don't feel like connecting. That's okay too. I just want to extend my appreciation for you and let you know that you are very much part of this and valued. So I have a episode as usual coming up this Friday. It is themed around romantic relationships and how health and longevity ties into relationships how to find balance, how to work through tough times and relationships. So I hope you will tune into that and or one of the upcoming episodes. I already recorded next Monday's episode, which is about Halloween themed and my recent trip to Salem, Massachusetts. 
I guess like these episodes have that correlation with uh, Massachusetts travel. And I have so many cool guests coming up for you. I'm just thrilled. I've recorded with the next three guests already. And wow. I mean, I find so much joy in bringing these amazing people to your life too. So stay tuned, subscribe if you would like to be reminded of when these episodes come out on Mondays and Fridays, and I will see you then. Bye for now. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. 